Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN, and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is a continuation of our hiring advice series. Uh, and it's a really powerful thing uh, to have people who've established careers think about what would have made a difference. Think about what makes a difference when we work with and mentor uh, inexperienced and junior people who are building their career. Uh, and this episode is full of advice, full of thoughtful how to build subject matter expertise and the ephemeral qualities that make somebody a good leader or a good worker, what we were calling executive function. And we talk about that quite a bit and why it's important in this podcast. Uh, so if you are building your career or helping mentor people who are building your career, you will get a lot out of this podcast. Like we, we, we had wrapped up with uh, on Tuesday, which is uh, the current dearth of subject matter experts. Oh, goodness. Actually, that I mean, today's topic is career advice. So mm -hmm. I would take I would take that uh, the dearth of subject matter experts as the starting point for the career advice talk. And exactly. I want to. I think it's a great segue. I, I'd love to hear, you know, I, I have some things I want to talk about for this, like learning how to be a storyteller and, and learning how to be a salesperson. But let's start there about what, what you're thinking with subject matter experts or the dirt. Um, well, particularly because I, as a, uh, as a person who has been labeled a subject matter expert, uh, I see a a significant uh, lack of peers with similar knowledge. Uh, I mean, in my in my particular case, it's Kubernetes, but I I think it, it goes beyond that. Like we, we could even say like Terraform or, or other widespread technologies, in that. Um, the the current way to become a subject matter expert is to have been using that technology in a production environment for years. Which, I mean, it, it worked for me because that's what I did. But it means that we are missing or, or we, we have a large population of newly graduate people who have never touched these technologies because there, there has been no, no place for them in the curriculum. Uh, and, and yes, what, what's currently in, in the curriculum is still important. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take out, uh, like things like, uh, you know, combinatorics and optimization or, um, or statistics or or even like system architecture design, programming languages, operating systems. But those are great, great fundamentals. Um, but we are not we're not teaching the students how to put these things together. Like understanding how an operating system works is great. It's 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 uh 
it's necessary. But it's, it's also necessary to know now how that knowledge translates into a container-first world. Which, I mean, it's the same knowledge, but it's, it, it's packaged differently. Uh, and we're not teaching newer, newer software engineers, non-developers, how to recognize that the same principles apply in these new technologies. So, ah. hmm. I mean, no, it's also, it's, things, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, also things no, that like, important. like, like uh, mutexes and, and semaphores and, and how to ensure that like, uh, like a handshake, a message, message, message handshake, like how to ensure, how do you guarantee that, that the message that you passed to another system has been received by the system. That there's so many developers that, that are not being taught that. Uh, so, so again, like it, it's it's a deeply rooted problem, I think. Uh, and it's it's hard to to say like, okay, how do we fix it? Because we can't just tack on things onto the curriculum, because the, in many cases there's no room for 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 adding these and. and in many cases, there, there's there's many there's not many things that can be removed either. There's no, there's nothing, that can, there's nothing that can be the, the thing that has me going aha in your comment is: Do containers modify the principles curriculum? Like I think of I think of containers as, and and maybe I'm naive here. I, I think of containers as. Um, a method, not a principles thing, but your statement is is making me think that there's some principles of of architecture that would need to be taught differently in school as a um, consequence. But and I could be convinced of that. I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm saying that exactly. Um, I think that the principles are the same. Uh, but the emphasis on, on how to interact is different. Um, okay, like, so go ahead. I, I sorry, I didn't. I, I thought you were finished. I apologize. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going going to give an example. But like for example, uh, like how processes interact in a container versus state how they interact in or in on in the OS. Like the, the principles are the same. You you still have sockets, you still have pipes, uh but uh the the scope with with which they interact is changed. In a container you you aim for having a single process per container. So so now how you set up your your sockets or, or how you set up your your your, your pipes your, your system pipes to interact with other containers um that's what's changing versus a typical os centric model 
it's still important to to look at, at the OS itself. Um, and there's still cases where the where, where an OS centric approach is is important, like uh, like IoT. <laughs> But this is this is this SM, this is to me where where I heard when you brought about the SME topic before, and what I heard was we are reaching a point where your subject subject matter expertise on an OS is diminishing, right? One of the things that we're doing with containers is like you you really don't need to know much about building, installing, or running an OS if you're a modern developer because you can package something in a container on your laptop on the fact that it's going to run wherever, uh, potentially hand it off to another team and never even care about any of the things that, you know, you actually need to know to really run OS as well, mounting drives and networking and all that stuff. You can blissfully ignore it. I mean, well, it, it still helps, but, but yes, it, it, it's becoming, it becomes a, like a second Second priority, not 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 first priority. John, you but said. It, okay, so so to me, this is hmm, subject matter expertise. Previously, was defined within the realm of IT, like when I was a CIO, that you are a subject matter expert in technology. And I see this from a different perspective because what you're describing us is subject matter expertise in a particular genre of technology like Kubernetes, which may or may not apply to other areas. Not everything is containerized mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Going forward, it may be, but right now it's not. So to me, one of the missing skills around the level of subject matter expertise is that how the expertise is applied is far more important than what the expertise is. Because if you, you look at what, you know, people coming up through the ranks of IT who want to become future CIOs or CTOs or whatever, even going in onto the business side, they haven't got a clue how to think their way out of a situation of, I know this technology, but how would I really apply it for business value or ROI or any of those kinds of things? You were, you were hitting what I call executive function, which to me is very different than the technology side of this. That some, some people, and this is from a, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast and being like, I don't know which technology I should specialize in, I think you know one of the answers here is you know cloth is like you you should develop some subject matter expertise in something hopefully something relevant but but everything has relevance somewhere somebody yeah. but the executive yeah. function piece which is making a decision and being independent and being like okay I will present solutions and not just problems or or you know I will understand when I'm making a decision or not making a decision or passing the decision, you know, forcing somebody else to make a decision. Those are critical observation skills that, you know, a lot of people yeah, well, they, just don't bother to cultivate. Right. But, but, but that's one of the biggest gaps. And I think, yes. you know, from a career advice point of view, you can start at semaphore tuning like I did and work your way through all the different aspects of IT until you get 
you know, this sort of more comprehensive knowledge to be able to open your mouth and speak intelligently about how you apply technology as opposed to just what technology you're going to support in, in all sense of the word being support, right? A new technology, an emerging technology, whatever, you throw your uh, soul into learning that as a subject matter expert. But if you don't learn those executive functions, you are pigeonholed. And at a time when we're facing the increased capability of no code and low code, why wouldn't you make that part of the rigors of comp sci or you know, whatever people are studying or part of their planning to actually get a job? Because if you look at the big companies and you sort of look on the human capital management side of them, it used to be that the drop rate of new grads was in the 60 and 70 percentile because they couldn't write an email. Now it's because they have all this expertise in code, but no way to turn around and go, this is how I can solve a business problem. And more and more, you have CIOs Mm -hmm. meeting on their teams to be able to help them do that because they too came up the same way. That that that's definitely a, a a very valid point, and uh, I, I'm glad, uh, Rob, that you that you actually like put a a label to the term that the executive function part. Um, ju- just before you take, I guess a little bit further, um, I, I I want to clarify that when I started this conversation, my my first concern was that, um. That I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is that the growing landscape of technologies is making it more difficult to acquire subject matter knowledge. Um, so I, I think these are these are probably two sides of the same coin. Like what one is one is acquiring the knowledge, the other one is applying the knowledge. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that we we don't forget that part. I, 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 we're, we're trying to hire um, DevOps engineers and it's an interesting thing because they have knowledge, but they, they don't have, um, they're, they're missing something. We keep bouncing people because they're missing a design and, and, and an application uh, facility on the other side of it. They have tons mm-hmm. of certifications. They've used a ton of technologies, but they haven't, from our perspective, shown the, um, curiosity. They don't have to have a lot of experience. This is the thing that's frustrating to me. Maybe you have an answer for this. They have, it's, it's not a lot, it's not experience that we're looking for. It's, you sit down, you use a tool and you're like, well, this works because of this. This is designed badly for this. I'm going to run into the trouble because, and I guess that's experience, but there's an element of understanding why things fit together and how they fit together. Well, that, that you can't, you're not well, just going to get out of a book. Yeah. I, I, no. I think. Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. It, that's exactly what you call executive function, which mm. I would translate from the Yiddish sechel. Like how you use technology is way more important than what the technology is or the granular level of the code. Only for one reason: if you can't answer the question, "How will it work?" or "What does it buy me?" 
you are going to be in that little box with that code that's going to evolve over time, fall out of fashion, be superseded, etc. Like the whole notion of dev has changed not only from dev to ops to dev ops, but now with AI and ML and all the other things that are coming up into it, it's going to morph and change yet again. So to me, the skills that you're trying to put your finger on that are lacking, it's almost like I would call it not executive function, but applied technology 101. Uh, no, I, I, no, I agree with you. I actually would say that you have you have executive function light and executive function, you know, like like levels of executive function. And what you're describing to me is is the the, the nascent levels. Um, yeah, I, I I think part part of the issue is that while there there are um, system architecture or, or software architecture and, uh, and design uh, courses in a lot of curriculums, even undergraduate ones, particularly in, in software engineering. Yeah. Um, the models that they use on those, on those courses are outdated. Like a typical, uh, like I, I was yeah, a TA yeah. for a software, uh, software architecture course. And the, the system that they had to design was a telephone system. Now, yes, it it it, it does cover I'm all of the principles <laughs> necessary, but 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 it, it is outdated in a cloud na- native landscape. It, it is not yeah. helpful to to have people designing systems that they have no uh, work real world experience in using. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I think. You know, I mean, oh, no. I still speak yeah. to a lot of folks at IBM and and some of the com- you know former employers and whatever, and they are facing this situation. Um, and uh, there was somebody from KPMG talking about this the other day as well. That it's time to bring back the older worker only only because they learned through the course of their previous careers how to actually make make things work in 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 the context of today's environment where it's rapid it's get it done but you get it done with quality etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. the whole notion being that the first to third year recent graduate in their first job can't be trusted to actually execute to the level that companies need them to. There's a current study that the, um, what is it, IBM Business Value Group is doing on this because they have found that they're going through more engineers and more developers than they ever have before. Mm-hmm. And that's I was, what do you mean by What do you mean by going through? Like they're, they're, they're not keeping them, they're releasing them? They're or not they're, keeping they're, them. They're, no, walking, they're, they're, they're walking away. No, they're not keeping them because they don't see that the the individuals have the potential to grow, right? Like the the process with IBM, as with many of the others, I I know from Intel as well, it's like that when you go through the multiple screening step processes, if you're a new grad, 
they want to know that they can, you know, guide and direct you, mentor you, mold you, shape you, whatever, into the productive employee they want you to be in two years from now. If they go down that road and find that your limitation is your, you know, I want to sit in my little cube and, and just with my laptop and can't collaborate well or can't play nicely in the sandbox of the bigger picture enterprise, they're dropping them very, very quickly. And, and this has a, a much bigger implication as well in, in for just academia in general. Because yeah. with the rising cost of tuition, and again, like as you said, like the the increasing doubt about the the value of new grads, there is a mm. brewing crisis uh, as to whether an undergrad course is really valuable these days, or as an yeah. undergraduate degree. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion, and you can call me very old school. Uni teaches you how to think, period. Full stop. That's it all should, it does. It should teach you how to think. Right. That's its purpose in life. Yeah. But when it comes to hiring people, I look at it maybe very convolutedly and say, I can teach you to cope. I cannot teach you to think. Mm-hmm. So all the certifications yeah, in the right. world are meaningless. And this is, and this to me is back. Now we're back to the executive function piece because the executive function comment is: yeah. you have you have to sit down and say, "Huh, what do I need to learn? Understand? Who do I need to contact?" Um. And, and I mean, and to an extent, university should be teaching you that because you should be going through a degree of I need to gain independence. I need to figure out how to ex- build a project and do my homework on time. And like all that stuff should be part of it. The thing that I found in talking to my kids going through college and, and interns that we have, we actually end up with a fleet of interns at Brack End, um, is that they, they, they need to be told point of this course is not the material. The point here, <laughs> right? And I tell this to my interns. I'm like, point here is not that you're learning how to do video production or write code or write, you know, uh, blog, you know, blog posts or things like that. The point here is that you are learning how to run your own schedule and ask the right questions and surface things when you don't know what to do. Um, that, that's the, that's what we try and teach in the internship. That's Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's and, like, and, the career. The career advice here is that you know, if you want to advance in your career, you you better learn the you know learn the skills too. But none of us are advocating against that. But it's the executive function that's going to get you promoted, right? There is. Yeah, it's the executive function that's going to carry your career in IT in particular over the first five years. And what I'm, I mean, you know, like I used to say years ago that for me getting my MBA was probably the biggest kick to my career than all of the undergrad work I had done, whether it was in one bachelor or the other, and even more so helped me 
get my PhD, work my way up through the IT food chain and the business food chain at the same time. Because if you can't speak the language of business and translate accurately, you're never going to, you know, like what happens to what happens to the people who are dev or DevOps and want to move to a TL role or to a management role? They're SOL. And, you know, I mean, um, I, Klaus, I don't know if you've had the same experience I have, but I used to hire co-ops from McMaster or U of T or whatever in engineering um, for, for their co-op year, either at Glaxo or at Celestica or wherever. And the thing I always said to them was forget everything you know about IT and take this as your on as your real life learning because you're not going to be doing anything other than what people tell you to do and this is the real world so i'm a big advocate for taking those co-op programs and making them part of the core course even if they're not right don't go through engineering or comp sci um, without having more of an apprenticeship than the rigor of academia because I don't know who's going to hire them. I, I have mixed feelings about co-ops. Okay. Um, mostly because I find that co-ops as they're currently implemented, like short term, like summer co-op or, or 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 single single term like fall or, or or winter um they're not long enough like a, uh, I, 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 oh, I say it's like working in a startup environment a co-op that 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 would start but that they would do like a a, a four month term <laughs> with, with us by the, by the time they they finished they they would have maybe learned how to work our system but they wouldn't have had enough time to to try to apply it so yeah i so sorry so, to interrupt you i should have pre-qualified my comment we hired for a year yeah and that would be a, yeah that, that would be a, a like a minimum a, a year would be necessary i think Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, as far as my experience also goes, like with 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 terms of with with, with new hires in in general, like I when, when I was hiring for my team, I would personally always favor grad students with zero experience yeah. over over undergrads with some experience because the grad students would always have the executive function and and even if they didn't know a system they would know what questions to to ask in order to become familiar with it and then be, work on it independently yeah yeah some, I, of, that, I, some of that's age yeah. uh, and, and and this this kind of ties back into what i was saying before is that there is a fundamental difference between grad school and an under undergraduate 
uh, uh, curriculums that I think needs to be resolved. Like we, I, I personally think that undergraduate curriculums need to be be brought more more closely to what grad school teaches, because again, like executive function. Yeah. Um, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, though, that with all due respect to the individuals, and I'm not trying to generalize in the way that's, you know, bias, you have to have some foundational pillars before you can start to really look at executive function, particularly with this generation, who I find are quite... Yeah immature oh, okay. in the sense of they, they feel, they may feel privileged. They may feel whatever woke, you know, whatever words you want to use. That's not what I'm referring to. I, I feel that they're immature because there's basic things that they just don't know how to do that came from the non-digital world. Um, that's okay. Hmm. There, there's a, there's another thing too, but that's a uh, interesting, I, Go ahead. I, I'll hold my I'll hold my thought. Well, uh, I'm I'm not sure. I I I quite agree with that, but perhaps related is um I feel that universities universities and and, and colleges have become afraid to fail students. And, and this is largely because uh, because there is a stigma against failure. And yeah, okay. I, I and I think that is wrong. And I think we, we mm. should normalize the acceptance of failure and in, in that if I, yes, yes, yes. It, yeah if an undergrad student is not able to make it through a certain curriculum it should not reflect as a failure of the student itself it should just reflect that that particular student is unfit for that particular curriculum and vice versa they might they might well be fit for a completely different curriculum or a completely different environment. Oh it goodness. just it just means that the particular choice that were that they made at the time to to pick that curriculum was incorrect, and that should be um, normalized and it should be destigmatized. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's. I agree with you about the failure part. That failure needs to be more accepted because. As entrepreneurs, you know, the watchword is fail fast and failure is is not a bad thing. What I disagree with is the notion of the pathing, that they're not suited for the curriculum, because it could be that it's just that particular course or the way that course is created or taught that requires more support for the individual. Right? Sorry, sorry. It's, it's well, not the whole yeah. curriculum. Yeah. But, 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 maybe but we, I overreached when, when I said curriculum. But yes, I, I agree with what you said. No, but we've, we, we have really over-indexed. And 
in the low grades, um, right? That, you know, it's like you have to have perfect grades because we don't want to see any failure on your resume and therefore you're not taking risks. One of the things about executive function is that it is taking risks. You are stepping out, you are showing autonomy and you, and in training that you're going to have places where you disagree with authority. One of the things I had on, on my, on my comment um, list is that sometimes you could be in a job where people are not used to you or don't want you to have executive function. And the only way you can get promoted or, or use executive function is to leave the job because you're going to reset with the new audience. Your boss could say, I'm not used to you having executive function and I don't like it. Um, I think one of the things that uh, Joy, to your point about the, the this upcoming generation, I think they they have actually really good executive function. They're very outspoken. They're very independent. They have a lot of opinions they want to operate on. What they're not very good at is the times when executive function is taking orders from, because that is also part of it is learning how to be part of a team and support another leader. So executive function isn't just I am the decision maker. Executive function is I am working to support my organization. I'm working to support my leader by being independent and understanding their objectives and following along without having to be told exactly what to do. That is also executive function. Mm-hmm. I, I completely box. agree with I completely agree with you that that's also part of it. Their outspokenness, however, is I find, and maybe I'm biased, too self-serving. They have no sense of the executive function called, uh, you know, team is together, each achieves more. They're all about me. And when we were the me generation in the 80s and 90s, we were out for material gain, but we knew when to keep our mouths closed. We also knew when not to make situations especially around technology, political warfare. I, I feel that, that that action is not so much a, an, an issue with the generation, but an, an issue with the environments the generation is given. Like, again, like, like con- consider someone who who before before college or even during college in order to 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 pay for their tuition takes uh unskilled job placements whether that's being like a like a line cook or 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 customer service uh or or whatever um the amount of abuse that those environments put on the worker is insane it it, it it should absolutely not be tolerated so so as a result we are putting an, an almost pavlovian reaction against certain types of authority in, in into into these workers and then once they, they, they get into the, the skilled job environment, they are they've been incorrectly trained for that environment. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. If I use certain examples from real life, I think I've just come across too many people who are Gen Z, for example, who absolutely have a real chip on their shoulder. And I don't know that I can relate it back to I'm a barista at Starbucks kind of experience or any other, you know, part-time job or, or job that they've taken while they're supporting themselves as a student. I think it's more a resistance to authority of I'm going to challenge the status quo, but in a non-professional way. I guess that's the only way I can describe it, where everything becomes a battle zone. And I'm hearing this from, you know, product managers and from uh, mid-level people higher up you know, those higher up on the food chain, those even at the same level of why do I have to put up with this nonsense when I might have been a developer for 10 years and I'm still in the same role because this is what I love. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, like any kind of generalization is going going to break down under scrutiny. Of course. Um, so uh, I, I am I am not discounting that 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 you've had that experience again. Like I I don't know the background of those workers. Um, I, I I'm sure that there are there are some cases, and, and I would imagine that that depend. It would also depend on on the particular company that where where you have those experiences. I I, I mean I. I have the feeling that 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 for example to work at Google, being narcissistic is a requirement. Um <laughs> to, just because of, of how their environment is. So so if if you if if you're if you work with companies that are more more associated with, with that kind of culture, that then yes, you you're the experience that, that you've had would likely be the predominant one. Yeah. Um, my experience is largely tied around startups, uh, and, and again, like less glamorous environments. So, so my, my, my model of, of, of as to how or why certain things happen is probably heavily, uh, influenced by that as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, again, like ultimately, I I don't think uh, that that at least the distribution in Gen Z, or uh, uh, like uh, of the entitlement or or the the anti work sentiment and and so and so on, is significantly different versus previous generations. Um, I, I think, however, that the the environments that these generations are being put into are significantly worse overall. That could very well be the case. I mean, when put it this way, when I'm on the phone with people who are in their late 20s and early 30s who are lamenting about the 23 and 24 year olds, that's what 
kind of leads me down that road. My own experience in hearing about them and also dealing with them is one that says you are setting yourself up for failure because the first time out, you're going to get smacked by somebody older and wiser who's not going to be receptive to the sort of, um, what's the word? The authority you are trying to exert without the credibility to back it up. Uh, I, and we are, <laughs> I know this is, a, I think this is an important conversation. And I think the, and, and I put, uh, continuing this on the, on the agenda, uh, because I think one of the things we need to talk through is how, what, what advice would you give somebody just starting out who has these strong beliefs to, you know, engage? In, in positive ways or, you know, or the consequences of disengaging. So we'll have, a, we'll have that conversation. This is, this was great. And I think helpful, hopefully for somebody who's starting out and listening, because we really covered a lot of key stuff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we're not meeting on Tuesday. Across as a reminder. Uh, I'll, next Thursday. I'll, I'll probably pop in and then wonder why no one shows up and then just leaves. <laughs> 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 I will think of you at the moment then. Ciao. Wow. Having such concrete advice is really helpful. And there's also a lot more to talk about. Uh, we still want to get to important topics about storytelling and sales and understanding how to. Uh, do this type of work, how to interact with people across generations in ways that really build relationships. And, and that will be future topics for us. And I would love for you to be part of those conversations. Join us at the 2030.cloud. Join the roundtable. Have your voice heard. Get your questions on the script. Looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.